Good morning and welcome to Kirtliston Community Church. Uh, it's really good to have you along this morning. And uh, my name is Colin McPhee. I'm one of the pastors in the church here and look forward to sharing God's word with you this morning. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your word, for its relevance that you want to speak to us. We thank you for that privilege. We thank you that your word is alive. Help us to hear what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The other week I noticed something very unusual on our tiny apple tree in the back garden. A large branch, as you can see here, had grown up from the bottom of the tree and what had come out with these beautiful flowers, but they were not apple blossom. Being the experienced gardener that I am, I knew to ask Leslie, a resident gardening expert. And he explained to me that all apple trees are grafted on to a, a different kind of root before that they're planted. And sometimes there are other elements in that root that can cause different outcomes on the tree. And whatever was in there, in that root, had finally revealed itself after many years in our garden. And it was something beautiful. What we are rooted in and grafted onto matters. And we'll decide what kind of tree we will be. A good tree that produces good fruit or a bad tree that produces bad fruit. God wants to create something beautiful in you and for there to be growth and good fruit that keeps being produced. We're continuing this morning in our series on Who Do You Follow? And we'll be considering the subject called to be rooted from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. And this is probably the key message that God has had for us as a church this year. It goes back to the AGM where I shared the picture uh, that Clive had had when he had seen a large tree that had fallen and on further inspection, finding that this large tree had, in fact, very shallow roots and that's why it had fallen. It's easy for churches to look at growth as something that is purely numerical, like the height and the size of the tree. But that is to neglect the vital matter of the roots. Because though the tree may keep on growing, it will ironically cause it to fall unless it's supported from the roots. We want to help the members of this church to go deeper and to become stronger in faith. See, roots are unseen, but they are critical. As I walk around the village sometimes, the pavement is cracked and raised from roots that are growing up from nearby trees. These trees are in no danger of falling by the looks of their roots and the distance that they have spread. But sometimes roots can be, be destructive. My neighbour took down a tree in his garden because the roots were moving towards his house. And if unchecked, I guess, he realised that they could do real damage there. And it was quite an endeavour for him to, to dig them up and to chop out those roots. And likewise, in our lives, we can allow wrong things to take root. Wrong relationships 
and temptations and bad habits and attitudes which will lead to bad fruit. So roots can be unseen, but they can cause damage and wreckage in time. And sadly, too often in my years of ministry, I've seen particularly young people of faith seeing their walk with God wrecked on the rocks of wrong relationships. I wonder what your life is rooted in. Are you rooted in Christ and seeking to live and grow in his ways as he leads you by his spirit? Or are you going your own way and doing your own thing? I'm reading through the book of Mark at the moment uh, in my daily readings too. And I've been struck by the breathless style of his writing and the prevalence of the crowds. Every section seems to begin with yet another crowd that Jesus is interacting with, who is teaching and healing or both. Of course, we can understand why the crowds are being gathered and being drawn to Jesus as word of what's going on spreads like wildfire. And in the same manner begins Mark chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the sea and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down while the whole crowd was on the shore facing the sea. He taught them many things in parables. So not for the first time did Jesus find himself backed up against the water and facing a large crowd. Speaking from a boat is the perfect solution. Jesus' style of teaching was always based around stories. And I like that because my favourite teaching is in a narrative style. In Matthew 13, we read, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowds in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So it was more significant than just a style that Jesus had. It was in fact another fulfillment of prophecy. This time from scripture in Psalm chapter 78 given hundreds of years before. When I was at the production of the play Jesus at Dundas in the local estate here, I loved the acting and the depiction of Jesus. He was someone who smiled and laughed and attracted the crowds and the children to him. And the actor playing Jesus, when it came to sections like this, talking to hundreds of us now who were actually the crowd in the story, would point over and we would see a farmer there who was sowing seed. It was such a simple and a natural way to tell a story. They were culturally relevant illustrations, which people knew well and could easily remember. As well as stories, Jesus often used questions. And both of these methods caused the listener to think through issues for themselves. Now, why does he do that? I do a Bible reading programme at the moment with Paul Johnson from the church. And on this issue, he helpfully commented last night. He said, and once again, the master teacher asks a load of questions, expecting his hearers to search for the truth and wrestle with their faith, not packaging in a neat parcel. 
I pray that as we continue through this passage today, it will likewise cause you to ask questions, to think for yourself, what is God saying to me? And what do these verses mean for my life? If we're going to grow healthy roots, we have to engage with God through his word and by his spirit as he speaks to others, to us. Otherwise, we just go through the motions and there's no growth. He wants us to use our minds to think about what is being said and to ask questions. He said to them in verse 3, listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, this occurred. Some seed fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it sprang up right away since it didn't have deep soil. When the sun came up, it was scorched and since it didn't have a root, it withered. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns came up and choked it and it didn't produce a crop. Still others fell on good ground and produced a crop that increased 30, 60 and 100 times what was sown. Then he said, anyone who has ears to hear should listen. This was just what happened every time seed was sown. It was what the farmer expected. But notice that none of the seed are inconsequential. There's a specific consequence for each seed that lands. And all the seed is the same. Everyone has the same potential within it. The outcome, however, will depend purely on what kind of soil it lands in. It's a simple story and it's true to life. True to the experience of the people, maybe as they do see that farmer enacting it in front of their eyes. Many of us will know the significance of what this all means because we know Jesus' explanation. But for those listening to Jesus and for people coming to it for the first time, it caused some scratching of the head. It did strike me as I read it that it wasn't just the crowds who had to struggle with the meaning. And it wasn't just Matthew who found it taxing. A little joke at the tax collector's expense. It was all of Jesus' disciples who didn't get it. But they had the privilege to be able to ask Jesus the questions personally. After the crowds had drifted away and they sat down together with him and they had their eyes opened by him directly. Oh, why to them and not the wider crowd? Mark doesn't say but just records it. But see that they are asking the searching questions. Maybe they're also thinking, why does he make it difficult? Why does he not just tell people the answers instead of leaving them hanging? I gave this parable without the explanation which follows to my neighbour, the same one actually who was getting rid of the tree roots in his garden. And he's a guy who's interested in philosophy. He enjoys considering the big questions in life and is considerably cleverer than I am. He didn't know the parable and I was interested to hear his thoughts on what it meant. We ended up having a very interesting discussion and it highlighted to me how many different ideas the crowds must have left with on the day Jesus told it to them. The first thing he said when he came into the house was questions. This story raises lots of questions. I said, that's a good place to start. 
And that's why here week by week, as we bring God's word to you, we put up at the end of the talk questions at kurtlistoncc.com because we would love to hear from you and to hear questions and comments from you as you watch. By thinking and questioning, it's an indication of responding to what we hear. Even from the start, my neighbour was asking questions like, who is this farmer? Is it meant to be God? Is it meant to be Christians? Interestingly, he also remarked on the apparent wastefulness of the seed, some of the seed that was thrown by the farmer far and wide. He spoke about how important roots are in this story and how important roots are in people's lives. He said how his wife told him he'd never put roots down growing up. We also spoke about how it was such a culturally relevant picture then. But as he said, what does that mean, for example, to young people today who, if they see a farmer, are only going to see him out in his great big machines? That raised the issue of relevance and how the message and the stories of the Bible speak into our contemporary society. And I believe that my responsibility as a preacher is to look at what's said in the Bible and its context, what it meant to the people at the time, and then to build a bridge to now and to bring illustration and practical application to see what God is saying to us now, today, in our lives. Once the farmer sends out his seed, really for him, the work is done. He can't germinate it though the life is within it. I explained to my neighbour that once the word has been preached, it's over to God to do his work. Only he can bring that seed to life by the power of his spirit at work in our minds and our hearts. And only he can open our eyes to see the truth. As Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God, let's just find that, but God has been making it grow. And we spoke about weeds and thorns and how there is a need for constant care to prevent weeds from becoming established and taking over. He spoke about the different teaching, the different kinds of seeds that he talked about that comes from philosophers and other religions, which can bring real changes into people's lives. And that can often be true. But I shared that the common element for all the thinkers and leaders of faith that he gave was that they're all dead. Whereas the Christian faith rests on the belief and we believe the fact of Jesus being alive and alive today. And he wants a relationship with us. It's not all about written rules. It's about walking with him. By the, spirit, by the power of the spirit, the seed he sows is unique because it brings life, new life and eternal life. It was a very helpful conversation, at least to me and hopefully to him. But I think my neighbour would agree that even he didn't fully get the, the significance behind the story, which helped to prove to me my point about how unclear it actually is without an explanation. 
Jesus does go on to explain to them, but even the motivation for speaking in parables appears quite cryptic in this translation. In verse 10, it says, When he was alone with the twelve, those who were around him asked him about the parables. He answered them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those outside, everything comes in parables, so that they may look and look, yet not perceive. Listen, yet not understand, because otherwise they might find faith. It sounds as if people are not going to get it, and almost as if he doesn't want them to. Surely this can't be the case. As the commentator Alan Cole says, his parables are designed to test rather than to illuminate, and to test not the intelligence, but the spiritual responsiveness of his hearers. I actually prefer the New Living Translation, which says, They see what I'm doing, but they don't perceive its meaning. They hear my words, but they don't understand. So they will not turn from their sins and be forgiven. Jesus is drawing vast crowds, which would be a great source of joy for most leaders, but not for Jesus. He is fully aware of the mixed motives in people's hearts. And by using parables, it helps to sift out those who are really seeking for those who are asking the genuine questions. And God's spirit will enlighten them. So it's not about intellect at all. Jesus explains to them because they ask him what the story means. The Bible says, seek and you will find if you seek with all your heart. God is not hiding and he wants to be found. Not in a purely intellectual way, but as a friend that we will follow. Interestingly, Jesus is doing far more than telling the crowd this parable. He is demonstrating it as he sows the seed of the word to their listening ears. In verse 13, he says, then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any of the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves, they are short-lived. When pressure or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately stumble. Others are sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the seduction of wealth and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the ones sown on good ground are those who hear the word, welcome it and produce a crop 30, 60 and 100 times what was sown. And really it's a simple and very clear explanation. It's not rocket salad when we know what it means. God is the farmer, the seed is his word and the soil is a vital element for the seed as to whether it will achieve its purpose. The Bible tells us that God's word will not return void, it will have an impact and as we listen to God's word, as you listen right now, he is looking for and expecting a response And ideally, that that seed will grow and take root in your life to change how you think and speak and live, to make you more like him if you're a follower 
And if you are not yet a follower, that you may come to faith and begin that new relationship and put your roots down. What kind of soil is your heart today? Are you the good soil that accepts the word of God and grows? Or are you disinterested so the devil takes it away? Maybe your faith is rocky, likened here compared to pressure and persecution. And we can experience opposition to faith and face many pressures in life. But it's what we do with these pressures that show what the soil of our hearts is really like and reveal the strength and the depth of our roots. Will we bring these issues to God and trust in him or allow them to get in the way, to occupy our minds and our hearts to stunt our growth? Our faith may look like a strong, tall tree, but the storm tests the roots and reveals their strength or lack of. Like many at this time, maybe the cares of the world are closing in, like the weeds and the thorns to occupy your heart and your mind. Maybe it's just wanting to do your own thing. My friend helpfully also pointed out to me that it seemed to be unfair on the seed with the weeds, but that's what our hearts can be like at times. As we remove the weeds and prepare God to do his work, the seed can reach its goal of growth, to be prepared. Worries and wealth and materialism as issues facing us today, the word could not be more relevant. Maybe you recognise that you are in that majority of that other soil where God gives the opportunity by sowing the seed, but it doesn't take root. Maybe you've stopped your roots going down and they're shallow. Don't give up. It's time to start moving again. Time to grow in faith. I read an unusual verse a few weeks ago in Isaiah and as I read it, I thought that verse is going to be important in some week to come and it's this week. And this is what it says, the surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. It was a grim situation that the people of Israel were in, far from God, roots shallow at best. But God speaks through the prophet to say that the roots will go downward and the fruit will come upward. In the conversation I mentioned earlier, it did strike me about the relevance, particularly to young people growing up who don't believe in God and see Christianity as ancient and dead. I watched a short video clip this week about some ancient Judean date seeds that were unearthed in an archaeological dig and estimated to be around 2,000 years old. And they took these seeds and they rehydrated them. That's just a posh word for giving them a wee water. And from these ancient seeds came life after all these many centuries. And they grew amazing fruit. And it's a great picture of the gospel. This ancient seed, this good news, still has the ability to bring new life today. Someone recently asked me what was the hardest thing about being involved in Christian ministry. And I said, well, looking back, it's probably seeing people falling away from faith. And I realised that I found that hard because it wasn't something I had experienced really at all growing up in the church I was in. 
where there seemed to be a stability of faith in people's lives. But for many years I would see faith and change and growth and transformation and then a falling away for just the reasons that Jesus spelled out here. The problem is the roots. What Jesus says in this parable is so true. And so it should not come as a surprise to us because if it happened to him when he taught, surely we can expect it's going to happen to us. It's also so exciting to see the good crop that can grow up. In the fields around Jesus, a tenfold crop was the best to be expected. But Jesus here talks about 30 and 60 and 100 to emphasise the growth that comes from this good soil. It's been such a blessing for me to see that happening in many people's lives over the last 30 years. As people's roots go down, the tree grows strong and the fruit grows up. So what do we take away from this passage this morning? I actually found it quite sobering to consider some of the issues involved. What kind of soil is your life? Do you allow God's word to take root and to make changes in you? Is God asking you to switch on your mind again and to respond to him? So many Christians, I believe, just hear teaching, but they're not really listening and it makes no difference. This time of COVID will be something of a test for the church. Someone commented to me recently that they thought maybe 30% of our church may not return after all this is over. And that really shocked me. I don't think that that will necessarily be the case. I hope not. But it is a possibility. If your faith is small and the roots are shallow, don't let your faith die. Turn back to God. Come back to his word and walk in his ways. If you're struggling or drifting, if you need help, please get in touch. We would love to be there for you. For me, it would be terrible to see anyone falling away from faith. I wonder if you have a desire to hear God speak. Is the soil of your heart good soil, ready to receive, ready to respond to what he says? I mentioned earlier about encouraging you to ask questions and to think and to give response to what you hear. The honest truth is, though, it's actually very rare for us to receive any questions or comments, which for me is something of a concern. We pray that God is speaking and that you are responding to him and to his word. But Christians are often too passive and often we don't know what's happening to that seed that is sown. Is it having any impact? Of course, it's essentially between you and God. But it's great to know what God is saying and if God is speaking into people's lives and doing a work of change. We are also isolated from each other. Why not try and encourage and support one of your fellow brothers and sisters in this coming week to meet up or to go out for a walk 
or to watch the service together, to join us on Zoom for a catch-up or at the prayer cafe on Wednesday. Fellowship is another vital element to help us grow stronger roots, so don't neglect that as we can't meet as a whole church yet. Or maybe your soil has become overgrown by pressures and the things of this world and the seed is not coming alive as it should. Trials and temptations, as I said earlier, reveal the strength of your roots. Do you worry and not bring these worries to Jesus? Are you rooted in him or are there other things which are taking root and will cause bad fruit? Consider your roots. As I left Leslie's garden that day, I remarked on some amazing plants that he had in his garden. They were really substantial and healthy looking. And I was surprised when he told me that he'd only bought them a few months ago and they were just tiny. I could hardly believe the size of them. And he said to me, you only get out of them what you put in. Regular feeding and watering and weeding allowed it to grow down and up to be a mature and a healthy plant. I'll leave you with that little parable to work out what that means in your life too. Something for you to think about through this day. But maybe you're receiving the seed of the good news of Christ for the first time and it's already starting to come alive. God has opened your eyes. And his desire for you, as it was for the crowd back then, is that you would turn from your sins and be forgiven. Come to him by faith in Jesus. Start to put down your roots by prayer and his word and following his spirit's leading. And meeting with other Christians. It's something all Christians need to do, all these things, on an ongoing basis. If they want to put their roots down. And faith. Whatever God is saying, he wants you to respond today. This will have, as always with God's word, a response. But that is up to you and your heart this morning. What is the seed of his word going to accomplish in you today? Don't let that seed be snatched away. Allow it to germinate and for your roots to go down to be strong and mature in faith. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its relevance. And we recognise that people today are just the same as people were back then. And you spoke to people's hearts and their minds. Help us to think. Help us not to switch off when we come to church and we hear your word and we spend time in your word. Help us to be expectant to listen to you and to be obedient to you, that you may change us to make us more like you. So speak to us this morning, Lord, as we as we go from here into the day and into the week. Remind us of these things and help us to examine our own hearts and what you want to do in us. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said earlier, questions at kirtlistoncc.com is available. Please use that if you are able to. Uh, We do pray that God has spoken to you today and pray for his richest blessing upon you. Thanks for joining us this morning. God bless you.